and welcome to Insurance Tomorrow, a podcast brought to you by Alliance Insurance with me, Steph McGovern. This is a series where we look at what's happening in the world and how it might impact the insurance industry. Now, there are plenty of episodes to listen to, covering everything from how claims are changing to the impact of inflation, renewables, supply chains, open finance and everything else in between. You can get them all online if you want to listen back to them. Now, in this episode, we're going to talk about cybersecurity. Alliance's 2022 Risk Barometer ranked it as the number one threat to businesses in the near future. So I want to look at how cyber attacks affect the insurance industry and how companies can protect themselves. With me to talk this through, two experts in the field, Hayley Eastman-Dill, Head of Information Security at Alliance, and Tonya Dudley, Director, Strategic Advisor, CoFence. Um, Tonya, can I just ask you, first of all, tell us a bit about your business and what you guys do. Sure. We focus on enterprise fishing defense. So everything that has to do with fishing, right? Whether it's training your employees on how to identify and report a fish, along with products that help a security operations team be able to defend against those fishing attacks. And Hayley, tell me a bit about what you do at Alliance. Uh, yeah, so as head of information security is a wide remit, but particularly very much looking after the educate and training of our employees to help them work with us to keep all our customer, employee and corporate information as secure as possible, keeping it out of the hands of the criminals. Yeah, and cyber security is not a new threat, is it? But it's one that seems to be getting more and more sophisticated. So, I mean, Tonya, do you just want to start us off on where we're at with cyber security at the moment and cyber threats. You know, the more we talk about this, like the more more people are becoming aware of that they need to, you know, look at what are they doing in their organization. Um, you know, after the last couple of years, we continue to hear ransomware as being top of mind and top of the news that we continue to hear. But we also have heard a lot of vulnerabilities that are getting published. More entities are taking more awareness of what is their footprint? How do they defend against any of these risks that they might be under attack for or vulnerable to, right? So keeping their pa- their software patched up to date. Yeah, because Haley, it's not a luxury, is it? Trying to defend yourself from cybersecurity now. It's something every company has to think about. It's quite interesting to sort of think about who might be trying to do it and, and sort of why, you know, and, and you've got those who are actually trying to get some financial gain out of it and those who are just doing it for maybe even a bit of fun, seeing if they can get through the controls that an organisation might have in place. It comes at you from all angles and trying to keep everything as contained and limit the attacks that you can get from the criminals is a, a forever challenge and trying to be with that one step ahead all the way certainly brings fun to my day. Yeah, I bet it does. Tanya, I know kind of Hayley said a bit about there about the motivation behind it. So, so what do they want, these criminals? So there's the fraud aspect. They're after the money at the end of the day. And then you see the other angle of nation states, right? Where you see kind of what we're dealing with now in the whole, you know, in the war and what, you know, what we see nations trying to do against each other. So we kind of look at it in those kind of buckets, you know, more on the, the motivation of money versus more on the how can I gain access to maybe some of your IP, your intellectual property? How can I defend against some of those things? So we kind of see it in those two buckets. But obviously, at the end of the day, most of them are after money, right? Whether they're rookies that might be, you know, trying to hack into something or really organized cyber criminals that are really trying to just go after money. We see that with ransomware, right? They're after that money. Can I ask then about the methods that are being used to do this? Hayley, what would you say there? 
Oh, there's a wide range. And uh, Tonya talked about earlier about phishing, you know, so that's people sort of sending in emails and trying to get people to use links or attachments. But then you get things like phishing, your phone calls, where people have been phoned by somebody who's saying they're from their bank and check the number. Is it the number that's on your bank card? Because I'm from your bank and there's been a problem with your bank account. And here, transfer your money to this account. We'll keep it safe for you. You get those things. How many of us during the lockdown, we're getting text messages from, oh, I've got a delivery here from DHL for you and trying to get you to follow a link. So you've got those routes. You've then got those attempts that they try to do brute force to try to get in through your network. Somehow they try to find a loophole, something that has a vulnerability that they can get through and they can access. And then the other side is what they call a denial of service, where they try to just bombard your website so that your real customers can't also get in as well and just trying to disrupt things that way as well. Sorry, go on, Tanya. I was just going to say, to that point of that phishing in that text messaging, right, we see them start with, hey, do you have a moment? And then try and get them to go off to text, right? Because then it can go undetected by the organization, right? So having that conversation of, hey, can you text me? Or, hey, I need to send you an invoice, like making it very brief in that first initial. Mm -hmm or you know it's not even a link or an attachment that's asking for a conversation to then drift them off to another platform yeah it's incredible i mean i see this in my work all the time so for example at the minute there's someone who's set up a social media account pretending to be my personal assistant and so they're messaging all of my followers just saying oh you know steph's asked me to follow you and i mean that that's like i deal with them like pretty much every week and then also on the show you know i'm always in our consumer section on the show every week we're talking about another scam because they always play into the psyche of the time, don't they? And we, we were talking about council tax on the show today and the money you're going to be getting on council tax. And we were saying, don't, you know, expect there to be a scam around this. Expect people to start texting you saying, we'll help you get your rebate. They're taking an advantage of the current events that are happening, right? They're leveraging anything that's in the news that trying to get that person to interact with them to make their fraud attempts and what it, whatever it is that they're after. Yeah. And and Hayley, can you tell us about any kind of examples you've seen with businesses then? I remember covering like the talk talk data breach, for example, and all the stuff that ended up on the dark web and where that went. But have you got any examples from what you've seen? The biggest example where the actual ICO put in place their biggest fine against an organisation was British Airways most recently, where they were subject to an attack and basically their website and app was breached to an extent where what actually happened happened was the, the information was being taken, taking the information at source, so they were getting a lot of customer records. But I think part of the reason for the fine being so large as well is actually that some of the systems that BA were, were already had in place had some means by which they could have put some extra security controls, but they just weren't utilising mm. it. So it's also about businesses need to be using everything that they have to hand to, to try to limit those impacts. And that's where the sort of likes of the regulator like the ICO and, and people like that will really come down hard on organisations. Yeah. So, Tony, does that mean then there are clearly businesses who are more vulnerable than others? You know, we see these smaller businesses being attacked because that can be their entry point into something larger, right? Like they might, might start with a small business. And I've actually talked to, you know, CISO who's dealing with a supply chain issue where he can clearly see that, you know, the threat actors spoofed a website, the URL that looks just like theirs to be able to change the bank account on their accounts payable um, record to then have that money go to them, right? And so that becomes this 
bigger than just cybersecurity, right? It's all these other process controls that you have to put in place to really identify where can the fraud happen. They're learning your business process, right? And they're learning who your supply chain is to downstream attack those to make their entry into the bigger tank, right? It just sounds so scary, though. It's like you've got to have eyes in the back of your head as well, isn't it? To try and work out where it's going to come from. Small businesses, they don't always have the resources. You know, they invest in a service to help them. And, you know, if they don't ask the right questions or know what their services are covering, um, it can really hurt them, right? And so, you know, we see like Microsoft, they've actually implemented some default controls to help those smaller businesses who might not know better to be able to, you know, turn on MFA or turn on two-factor. And so by making small little technical mitigations, right, you can help with kind of helping protect against some of those attacks. Yeah. And just on that, you mentioned some things there. Can you just explain what they are? I know like the two-factor authentication, you mentioned MFA and things. We kind of hear those two terms side by side. Two-factor, like if you're, when you're logging into an application or a website, you can have that secondary factor of having that second factor to want to authenticate that it's really you coming in, you know, verifying that. Yeah. Uh, and just on top of that, Haley, what are your thoughts on in terms of what businesses can do to protect themselves? Yeah, I mean, it depends on the organisation and a key part of this, like with any criminal, is, is being vigilant against them. And, and that starts with the employees, everybody who's there being aware. And if something looks a little too good to be true, then it, it normally is. So one of the key things is actually sort of giving staff that awareness training and that education and keeping them abreast of what's going on and the upturn in text messages about, you know, delivery companies, you know, and, and use that as a route to communicate to employees and remind them about them to be on their guard and Uh, watch out for things like that so that's very much sort of a key thing and then another thing probably is also making sure your systems are as up to date as possible so you know how many times do we all see oh god there's another upgrade on me another update on my phone oh can I be bothered well a lot of those are to address known security issues it's not just about Apple trying to make your machine go slower or Android you know whatever it may be but it's about you know actually trying to address a problem they found and some of those are security so putting the latest version on as soon as you can and that also goes for computers in the office getting those as up to date and keeping them as up to date with with all the patches and the up-to-date software can help actually it has more inbuilt security within them because Tanya I mean that is because things change so much in terms of what these criminals are doing and as I said before you know the methods to getting in are more and more sophisticated how often are you seeing that change like are you like on a daily basis there's a new scam there's a new thing or is it less frequent than that we see it quite frequently right we know that you know the threat actors are they're constantly searching for vulnerabilities to make their way in right like really understanding what software companies are using to then look to see, okay, where's potential hole. We often see phishing uh, emails that leverage some vulnerabilities that are old, that are unpatched. Like I'm amazed that we still see a a vulnerability from 2017 that still gets leveraged in phishing threats. Um, So just the fact, like, like Haley said, patch your systems and you know you're a small if you're a small business especially just have those auto updates on you know with a bigger organization when i've worked in in the past we had custom apps and they use things and so it wasn't always easy to just go in update all of these things right you had to retest 
your applications to make sure you weren't going to break something with that update. But when you're a smaller business, you tend to use those cloud services, you know, services that are readily available for you. And they do a good job of keeping those, you know, up to date because they're managing for you. So, you know, just turn those auto updates on your laptops and computers to be able to keep those current. Is there a way as well, Tonya, of kind of stress testing your business so every every so often? Like, is there a way of, you know, trying to test it? Yeah, I know. Um, I'm sure Haley's organization has, you know, they, you know, in you, ha- you have vulnerability scannings that you can do. Um, if you're doing application development, you should be using source code scanning to make sure that you're doing those things. And I think even with what Microsoft provides for a small business is, you know, that endpoint detection to be able to scan for where something, you know, might be unpatched and report back to make sure that you're aware of what maybe isn't current. I was just going to add to that. I think, you know, there's a couple of other things that come into my mind. And again, it depends on the size of organization, but just actually almost using exercise scenarios of of a phishing email to, to educate the employees. And the other, the other aspect is also about almost doing sort of a bit of a, whether it's a tabletop exercise, but something that actually checks how your business would respond if you were getting attacked and actually do you know, would your systems cope? Have you got backups that you could go back and pull your data back from that you know is, you know, is clean and the, the attacker isn't in it? And, you know, how would you respond to that? Can you respond to that? And, and sort of testing that out so that if you were to be unfortunate enough to be attacked, that you know how you could keep your business going and recover from it. Yeah, and we're seeing more and more organizations doing that control testing, right? Like if you have technical controls in place, are you testing each one of those to make sure independently, maybe something gets through, but then if you link your controls together, like, you know, you have, you know, we call it defense in depth, right? So if you have multiple controls that cover the same thing, I know when I worked in the financial industry, yeah, we had multiple things that covered the same thing because we wanted to make sure if something broke, that something was still going to capture that threat potentially getting through. Have you found, Tonya, then, that companies are also insuring themselves against this as well? Because there is the worry that it will be an inevitable, ham- no matter how much security they try and put in. Because so many firms are investing now in cybersecurity insurance, that we're now seeing the insurance firms, they are now actually requiring, okay, if you want to sign up for this insurance, you have to do all of these things now, put these things in place to help mitigate, right? Because we're going to help you, we're going to insure you, but we are also want to protect our investment in you. So we want you to make sure that you have patching done, that you have all of these things in place, that you're doing awareness training. And then it gets into the whole ransomware and what gets covered, you know, when you do have a ransom attack. So, so yeah, absolutely. There's things that you can do and, and value in that. And then they can come alongside you and help with tabletops and other things that, you know, are making sure that you have a incident response retainer with somebody in case of that event happening. So so based on that, then, Haley, what would your advice to brokers be in terms of dealing with their clients worried about cybersecurity and insurance? I think if I was to give sort of three bits of takeaway advice for brokers and their customers is really for me, it's it's keeping your systems as up to date as possible. Minimise that risk. Make sure that your employees know what to look for. Human error happens and we all know human error happens, but try to, to, to minimise that. And the third bit is about making sure that you can recover, that the business is, you know, business is in a position that it can actually recover itself as quickly as it can. Those would be the top three that I would, would be advising people share. 
And I guess, uh, Tonya, in addition to that then, just as a kind of a way to close this, I guess, what would be the thing you would want people to, to take away from everything we've been talking about? So I think the biggest thing that you can do to help protect yourself beyond the awareness training and, and training and preparing them to identify threats is enabling that two-factor or multi-factor authentication, right? Because we see credential fish as the top threat to organizations when it comes to phishing. So if you can enable that, um, you're going to help minimize. Even Microsoft says, if you have MFA enabled, you're 99% protected from those credential attacks. Oh, fantastic. Well, let's bring things to a close now. Thanks to Hayley Eastman-Dale from Alliance and Tonya Dudley from CoreFence. Please do subscribe to the series through your podcast app and then you'll never miss an episode. Also, we'd love it if you left a review for us as well. Thank you so much for listening. That's it from me, Steph McGovern and Alliance Insurance. Bye-bye.